Listen, they say 50% of couples who watch this movie file for divorce by the credits. Let us sadly explain. So what we do on Let Us Explain is dive deep on something that we can't stop thinking about Mm -hmm. for other people who can't stop thinking about that thing, too. That means we'll be talking about anything and everything. Sometimes that includes spoilers. But before we jump into the spoiler zone, let's talk more generally about Marriage Story. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich. And joining me, he never looks embarrassing, which is hard for a man. It's Arturo Zurita. I appreciate it, but uh, I do not dress anywhere near as good as this man did in the movie. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about this one. Uh, as you being the bigger Noel Baumbach fan, me being, I, I like several ones of his movies. Uh, it's interesting to talk about one where both you and I agree that this is easily the best of his filmography. Uh, Squid in the Well being my second favorite. I don't know what your second favorite would be, but he's he's been on a run recently with Netflix itself, with the Meyerowitz stories and now with this. And man, why do you, you don't need to go to the theaters anymore with Scorsese <laughs> and Baumbach and you know last year with Roma and all the movies coming out with Netflix, two popes coming out this year as well, stacked. It is stacked, and this yeah. may be. I haven't seen Irishman yet. You have, but it seems, according to your perspective, this may be the best of the Netflix releases ever. Yeah, it, it just it just might be. Um, you know, like you said, this is both of our favorite Noah Baumbach mm-hmm. films. I think that I would say that my other favorite is Francis Ha. Um, okay. Although you know, it, it's not necessarily uh, a clear cut for me, but. This seems like it's on another level and it's something that I feel like Noah has been circling for a while. Yeah. Noah Baumbach is no stranger to making films involving or about divorce. The Squid and the Whale, which, as you mentioned, perhaps his most famous film, movie. tells the story of the divorce from the perspective of one of the sons. But his latest marriage story is from the perspective of the, devult, the of the adults doing the splitting up. Starring Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, the movie is a thoughtfully constructed and extremely empathetic depiction of what divorce Force does to two well-intentioned exes. So, Art, what is it about Marriage Story that really resonated with you? Do you remember that movie uh, where it was supposed to be the him and her perspective, the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby? Uh, That movie was a film that was supposed to be released all from her perspective, hour and a half from Jessica Chastain's character's perspective, and then all of it from, uh, I'm blanking on who. James McAvoy. Oh, really? James McAvoy? And they were both in it. Isn't that, isn't that funny? Uh, yeah. James McAvoy's perspective, one hour and a half for him. And then a combination of the two. A two-hour-ish movie that took pieces from both of them and saw you both perspectives. I think it's a very intriguing... It, it, it didn't make the splash that it thought it would. Um, but yeah. that movie and its three perspectives would have killed if the streaming platform Netflix was at the height that it is now. That's what I truly believe. Wanted to mention that movie... Because this movie takes that and I think gives all of the emotion. Uh, Boyhood is another movie that I brought up where I feel this story within its just what year and change uh, covers the emotions that both of those films. I feel a lot of people got from those. Uh, I may have not. This movie took it and carried it. Some of the best performances of the year. I told you I was scared. Uh, my uncut gems Adam Sandler role is still one of my personal favorites but I told you I was scared going into this movie because people don't go here are the best actors they go so there's Adam Driver who else I went you're just gonna put and they've seen uncut and they love that role that was in the who else compared to this performance and watching the movie I was like okay I kind of see it I kind of see it Scarlett is killing it Adam's good then it happens oh Adam is great in this 
Mm-hmm. I won't get there. That's a little spoilers right now, but I'm excited to talk about this. I know you loved it. You saw it in New York. I saw it at Chicago Fest. Yeah, one of the one of the first things that I've one of the things that I've said repeatedly on uh, the intercut episodes that we've done is that this is one of the best acted movies I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and that might sound like hyperbole, but it's really no, it just hard to deny that everybody is really killing it in this movie uh, just there's such a raw and emotional performance from uh both adam driver mm-hmm. and scarlett johansson as they're you know put through some really tough scenes and uh forced to to have some really like harsh emotional swings but yeah it, it, they feel so real in those moments but it's beyond them it's the supporting performances from laura dern Woo! ray liotta and alan alda are all just so well crafted yes. they have such a precise idea of who their characters are that, you know, you don't even really need to hear them speak much and you feel like you know who they are you, mm-hmm. you, through their mannerisms, through uh, what they what they respond to and what they kind of just ignore. I just think it's such a well-crafted movie. He, he clearly has a strong idea of who all these characters are. Uh, and I think a lot of times when you get a divorce movie or a movie in which divorce is so heavily vol- involved, you can't help but kind of sway yes. one way or the other, kind of root for one person Someone above the evil, other, oftentimes yeah. because the other person's so bad. But this does a really great job of just showing they're not even really trying to like beat each other at the divorce nah. and, and neither really necessarily deserves it. You You end up on both sides of the fence and... Uh, I I was really in awe of the way that the movie uh, slowly builds things up in a way where you see how decisions are made and the innocent, uh, the innocent initial ideas behind them, Uh how uh, just trying to accommodate by allowing your spouse to go to L.A., puts you at risk of not necessi- of mm-hmm. not being able to bring your kid back to New York. It's not on purpose, How, it's uh, not malicious, but it happens and you end up in a scenario mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. I you almost feel like a friend yeah. because that unbiased view that you get from the perspective of watching it uh, as a viewer uh, and seeing both of their stories intercut, the idea that it's not really it. okay, maybe they have something to blame here, but what? Well, that, that stemmed from the mom and is that really the worst thing? And then you can see the results over here uh, and there's a certain point in the movie where they say, man, we have to eat dinner and there's like uh, what, what are they called the person has to sit there to watch you to see if you're worthy of for custody i forget what their names is like the social worker who has to sit there they're like yeah. isn't that gonna be really awkward having someone sit there and watch you yes how long is this movie for two hours for 136 minutes i sat there like the appraisal trying to view your marriage and it is just as uncomfortable but it's great i mm-hmm. i agree with you saying that it's one of the best perform. Is it an ensemble cast? It's not really an ensemble cast because it's not that big, but this really is a movie. They're both the leads. They're both the leads. Yeah, I mean, in some ways it's a two-hander because there's so much for Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver to do and they're giving such great performances. Mm -hmm. But in other ways it's not because you do have uh, the supporting performance I've mentioned, uh, Wallace Shawn, Julie Haggerty, uh, Merritt Weaver all show up and are great in a couple select scenes. So, yeah, the ensemble is really great even though... It's predominantly uh, these two characters that yep. we're following because, uh, you know, we get into all the little details of their lives and see all the uh, interactions bet- 
between each other while they're trying to balance uh, raising their young son mm-hmm. and the ways in which you know they start out trying to be very accommodating being very friendly and Scarlett's very worried about even handing uh, him the divorce papers and yeah. then by the end it, it gets contentious because they've been forced into opposition with one another I think it's just such a natural uh, progression, progression to the plot and, and the way uh, their relationship evolves you understand every turn and and it sucks. It's, a, it's immaculately written. It's really yes. a, a great, great script. When you were saying the performances, there's some stuff that happens within this movie where I, I start wondering, I was like, is that even on purpose? Is that a part of the performance or was that an accident? And, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's a certain bit in where, like you were saying, he's known as being the best dressed, right? I compare this movie a lot, the intro especially, because they're, they're, they are saying, they're speaking about each other. It's the speeches that you hear in the trailers, right? Yes. And you realize very quickly that, wow, this movie's like up. If they lie to you and they never end up together till the end. And the moment you go from there, you're like, wow, this is really depressing. But there's certain instances where uh, a lot of people may see this movie as sort of like, a, oh, this is a falling out. It's more to that. This is an intricate web of a script. And that's what I love. This is what I mean when I, when I said this is what I, I wished Boyhood would have had. Where when I see Boyhood... And I don't want to make this too much about that. But to give an example to to really praise this movie Mm -hmm. is there'd be points where we would cut to the kid being like 16 in boyhood, right? And that had nothing to do with the script. It had something to do with what he wanted to cut his hair, the actual actor or whoever it was. And then that needed to be formed into the script. This is different because he is the best dressed guy there. But the last time he spends with his son, what happens to the son? He starts dressing even more goofier because he doesn't have that. And it's it's a small thing like that that ends up becoming things that you notice with dishes and cabinets and clothes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you've seen the movie, so you get exactly what I'm talking about. And this ends up right. becoming, I have never dissected a drama like a Cloverfield movie. How did this affect this? And oh my goodness, by the end of the film, the kid's playing with this, which is a result of, oh my, I don't know if I want to be a parent. Every little thing you do, it's like a sponge. I have never seen a movie capture like that. The closest I can think of is like a Kramer versus Kramer type of thing, because also that was very big in right. in, in Los uh, as a California law thing. Which wow, that being a whole other aspect of the movie. Get divorced anywhere but California, folks. Let's just put it that way. Anywhere but California. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, there's a. I think the thing that you're talking about that's really interesting is the way in which. The movie evokes this feeling of you, you you watch things unfold and you're like, wait, wait, no, I want to explain like, you you know, you people get into these situations very innocently, but then it's used against them just because there's this there's this they're they're opposed to each other because this is a divorce where they end up going through lawyers and having well, didn't to try want and to, figure thing, things out through the legal system. It ends up being this fight. And even though they don't want to fight each other, you know, it, the same way that like, you know, when you're working with somebody and they're not picking up their slack or something like that, mm-hmm. you, you kind of, you start with like a, a kind of mean comment and yeah. then you get a little more direct and by the, you know, certain sooner or later you're at each other's throats. Yes. So, the way that you see their relationship evolve, dissolve particularly, is just so uh, well well captured and the beats make sense. You know, some movies, the pacing is off and mm. this just felt very lifelike yes. in the way it moved forward. Very, if I may, organic. Uh, but yes. yeah, I, 
I love how it's split between the two of them because I know a lot of people are going to come. And I'm very curious, and I'm very curious to know your thoughts as well uh, on who you side more. And I truly believe it balances it to the degree. That's why I mentioned the disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. That mm-hmm. uh, you really get, you really get to see the perspective of both of them, and the more you pay attention to uh, just the little nuances that the characters do, you start realizing uh, it's her fault. But is it even her fault if it's her parents' fault who instilled that in her, and now you see her instilling it into the kid? And is it his fault? Like you were saying, uh, you get into a position where you have to be in LA because the movie is split between New York and LA, and I will uh, answer that question for you immediately. Walking in New York over the spaces in L.A. any day. Yes or no? That's an argument that it, that comes out throughout the movies. Oh, well, you can uh, walk in New York. Yeah, but the space in L.A. <laughs> yeah, but I'd rather walk in New York. And that's brought up from multiple people. Uh, it's a it's a it's a beautiful, mm-hmm. hilarious running bit. Uh, I am of the perspective, and I know you agree with me. Walking in New York over L.A. any day for sure. Absolutely for sure. I thought there's I, a reason I'm out here. I thought it was a in. I, for a movie called Marriage Story, what a great dissection between New York and L.A. too. Yeah. It was like it took all of the movies where New York is a character and where L.A. is a character. And they just went, what if we also had those two fighting as well? <laughs> Having watched it in Chicago, I was just sitting on the side going, eh, well, there's one better than both of those. But nonetheless, between the performances, um, I thought they were even down the middle. I think Adam Driver is getting a lot of attention for his role. But I do think Scarlett Johansson just as much. And in my letterbox review, I forgot to mention her because I was very high on Adam Driver and Laura Derns. But Scarlett has the most nuances. I think you see her at every single point uh, because she's one of the first to go to the lawyer, to Laura Dern. One of the first to make the decision of like, okay, but what about my perspective of this? And you really see... uh, her side of the story, and I would even argue that a lot of people are going to uh, side with her because we don't really get to see his family. We get to see a lot of right. her family. Yeah, there's a really interesting thing the movie does in that it kind of uh, treats Scarlett Johansson's character uh, in a way where she is sort of realizing uh, all the things that she's been denying herself. Yeah, And it, it speaks to the ways in which we change ourselves uh, to accommodate one another. But it also is talking, I think the movie is analyzing like what's even fair to expect from a person. Like what, Oh, we're going to get into what that. is, what should your spouse just expect from you? And what should your spouse, you know, be, be giving to you? Uh, it, yeah. You know, what's the give and take in relationship? Yes. And, the way in which the movie parses that out, I think, is so thoughtful in a way that you don't necessarily see uh, the minutia of a relationship dissected. Mm-hmm. I-, I just found it fascinating. When we get to the spoilers, there's a lot of perspectives that I want to get to when it comes to a specific scene when they're sitting down talking about. Uh, so why is it that when you want to do something, it's uh, goes under consideration. But when it comes from her, that's something that's just optional. In a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just seeing both perspectives. I don't want to get into that quite yeah. yet, but I don't know if there's any other aspects you want to talk about, uh, even in terms of the rest of the filmmaking. I mean, that, that thing you're bringing up is is circling back to this idea of the way in which Bombac is so good at twisting words. You know, the, the dialogue in this movie is really great. He's always a guy who's done very great realistic dialogue. He, his 
characters start and stop and stutter and try to get out their thoughts and that's, correct themselves. That's why I say he is perfected in here because there's some points where I don't know, was that a mistake and it just so happens to go with your script? How do you, did you script that? If you scripted that, then this is some of the best performances of all time because it feels like they're sometimes improvising. I'm talking about spills. Yeah. The, the kid spills something and I was like, that kid wasn't spilling stuff before, but now he is. And also he's like, do you understand what I'm saying? It's very confusing if you haven't seen the movie, but these characters aren't, hi, I am... So I am not uh, Adam Driver playing a husband. He's a very particular husband. It's everything that was enclosed in that letter that Scarlett says in the beginning. That's the guy who he is. And this divorce starts yeah. changing that guy. Or starts changing yeah. her. You, know, and it, you see the effects on the kid. Ah, it's... Mm -hmm. Man, I was thinking about this late into the night after watching it. Yeah, so I think we're both very high mm -hmm. on the movie. We think it's a really wonderfully uh, dynamic look at the, the ways in which a divorce affects these people and, and turns two people who are amicable into less amicable. Um, although, I, you know, there is a kindness throughout the movie. And I think mm -hmm. there's sometimes where where, you know, a movie will talk about a divorce or go or, or be centered on it. And there's just so much anger from the characters. And one thing that I, that I did really respond to is how how much everybody's looking out for one another you know yeah. there's a there's a niceness streak throughout this movie mm -hmm. because her side of the family loves adam driver like loves yeah. adam driver um who played the mom i don't know if you know it off the top of the head but uh, uh julie haggerty she's hilarious she has some this is secretly a comedy as well and, and i don't want to say secretly a comedy this oh, is just it's, a, it's got a it's a it's slice a of lot life of yeah it's a slice of life movie that literally has Every aspect you you laugh, you cry, you do all that in the span of a day. There's a scene that yeah. she has where she is trying to hide, talking to him on the phone. She wears sunglasses. That's so funny to me because if you, yeah, yo, that is such a mom. There's thing like to a do, to wear sunglasses when he shows up at the house. Uh, it's kind of it turns into like a farce almost. Bro, I, I look going in and out of rooms and stuff. I told him, uh, yeah, Merritt it was like Weaver a popping thing, in and out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Merritt Weaver's role, uh, as small as it is, is huge, but even packs a lot of a punch. I'll just say one line from Merritt. Oh, so you're comparing me to her again. Being a trio of actresses. And that just that mm -hmm. one line where you go, oh, this feels like a movie where I am not arriving and everything's starting. This has been a family. And I'm yes. coming in only the, at the this characters, point. The characters are fully fleshed mm -hmm. out. And you, you do get that sense very quickly. That Merritt Weaver uh, knows that her film. sister made it. And is the New York darling and all that stuff. And now she's got her show. But I never have. And could that be because the mom never really pushed her to be as, I don't know, whatever. It's so tiny, but it's there. And you could tell that Merritt kind of feels that. But she's also overly nervous when it comes to something as simple as serving, you know. Um, right, I do right. want to talk about some other aspects because I'm very curious your thoughts on uh, be it the cinematography as a cinematographer from The Favorite. And he's done a lot of very slice of like Ken Loach's, I think it was Daniel what was the one that he got nominated for? Um, but the music is something I need to mention. I'm sitting through mm. this thing going, this is the Toy Story 4 theme. I'm No. Third time I heard it, I said, this is Woody and Buzz saying what they said in 4, right? Who does the score? Randy Newman. Randy Newman used the same oh. score for 4. I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I love the one for 4. That is the only distraction I have in this movie. There's only two problems I have with this movie. One comes towards the end where I'm expected to believe that someone who can't read can read handwriting. That's very difficult to read. And the other one was, it was just a little distracting to me. I don't know how well tuned you are to the Toy Story themes. 
it's I grew up with them and I've been listening to the one for four. That was the closest thing I found. And then it turns out it is Randy Newman. I don't know if that was a distraction to you. It's funny. But uh No I, I found the music to work, but I I can understand why that might be a distraction just because it seems so uh atonal. People to, came out saying they thought it was Monsters what? Inc. So when I heard people mm-hmm. mentioning it as we were leaving the theater, I was like, okay, so then I wasn't the only one. Uh, it's still a great score. It just reminds you a little Pixar-ish. But again, the Pixar version of Up, where they lie to you and they don't end up together. <laughs> what character do you want to focus on first? Because I do want to get into spoilers and just really get into the discussion of just the, you really get into the mind of these characters. Yeah. Okay, so we'll open this thing up to Marriage Story spoilers spoilers now. If you can't handle the truth or you haven't seen this movie, now is your chance to get out and watch a spoiler-free edition of the Intercut podcast. But uh, for those of you that are going to stick with us through the Marriage Story spoilers, let's talk a little bit. I I guess we can start with Scarlett Johansson's character. Yes, please. uh, I would love to. Yeah, uh, you know, the movie, it's kind of her decision really to... It feels like to get the divorce or she initiates it. Yeah. Uh, She's the one who uh, sort of starts the initial disruption by going to L.A. with their son. Uh, So but I think the thing that the movie does that's really interesting is the ways in which uh, Laura Dern becomes this beacon of light for her and, and becomes the person fighting for her when it's kind of like nobody else is fighting for her. She's not even fighting for her. Bring a great point because a lot of people would be like, ah, yeah, it's Laura Dern's fault. Sure. Without Laura Dern, she's also not able to become the the person she's been wanting to be for the last decade. And this is why I want to... Mm-hmm. I, I like, even her family wants her to stay with the Adam Driver. And they're just not listening to what she has to say. And this is the perfect perspective where ah, I cited her with so many things. The character of Nicole starts off as an actress, right? Very early Scarlett Johansson-like roles where she's known for being the girl in that teen comedy who showed her tits. And that's referenced multiple times. It's even brought up in court. But then she meets this guy named Adam, or not Adam, Charlie. And Charlie lives in New York, moves her to New York, is able to create a whole life there for New York. And and as they create their whole thing there, she becomes his actress. I wish you would have seen La Belle Epoque, but I'll use that as to plug it in here. Another movie where it's this relationship, but way more toxic. Here, mm-hmm. they care about each other. They're in the midst of their divorce after these 10 years because throughout it, she's like, I don't want to be in New York. Her whole family's in L.A. Mm-hmm. And she left them to come over here and maybe live his dream. It's partly hers. But he never, you know, and I'm, we'll get to his side but I got her perspective as someone who really sees the dude's perspective. Ten years is more than enough time for her to have to stop mm-hmm. asking, "Can we go L- to L.A.?" and have to do something about it. Her son, right, the learns more in L.A., finds more friends in L.A. than he does in New York. And as parents, that's something that yeah, that's a big that's a big discussion point. It matters, yeah. Uh, I think you know. What was I going to say? I think the Scarlett Johansson character, you know, the way that Laura Dern is able to short, sort of let her realize that she's been getting the raw end of the deal. Yeah. It, it First of all, it's what a lawyer is supposed, supposed to, to do. do. Like the lawyer needs to advocate yeah. for their client. And and 
throughout the film, one of the interesting dynamics is the ways in which both uh, Nicole Scarlett Johansson's character and Charlie Adam Driver's character both ask their lawyers to pull back, right? Because they chill. they're not going for the <laughs> yeah. kill a lot of the time. They they don't want to alienate. That's the not other what they person. wanted, but they just want what's what they they're entitled to in in some sense. Mm-hmm. Uh. There's a certain- and, and so I think the key the key sort of to this movie and, and maybe we can use this as a chance to jump to Adam Driver is there's a scene in which uh, he's kind of exasperated as at his lack of options. You know, he, he's kind of realizing that there's no way he's going to uh, bring his son back to New York full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shouts, I think it's at the Alan Alda character. He has to know that I fought for him because it's more than just. Uh, splitting up from your from your spouse, it's also you know showing up for your kid, and you can't just you know, if Charlie is insistent on living on the on the East Coast and uh, Nicole's insistent on living on the West Coast, you know that's going to reflect on their son, and and he might have a different opinion of, of one of the parents because of it. He's he's too young to necessarily get the nuance of it. Nuance. Yo, I'm glad this is on Netflix. I know when the moment I rewatch this, I'm going to pick up another stuff because I'm blanking on what his Same. his upbringing was. I don't know why Charlie is the way he is. But for Nicole, when Charlie talks about her, she leaves the cabinets open. She drops her stuff on the floor and you go, is it because she's lit? No. You see little glimpses of when they're full-grown adults. And she's at her mom's house. And what does Nicole do? Open up the cabinets. And who closes it without even thinking? She has been... What's the word I'm looking for? You're a product of your environment. That, and she, she's been conditioned and to do certain things. you picked it up there. And you start seeing that same process happen with the kids. A lot of movies just don't. A lot of... you. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I watch so many movies where we go like, they just did not write, think to write these characters. This is written in such a way where it's sort of like... Of course... Yes, of course. And then yeah. you see it like the relationship with her sister, the relationship with the mom, uh, the mom not just hanging out with Charlie, but also hanging out with the ex. I really wanted the ending of it when he goes in there and it ends up being um, uh, Nicole's new boyfriend, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. I wish that that was the other guy. And the mom was just hanging out like she said she did with the ex of the of uh, right. Merritt's character. But that, you see why Scarlett is the way she is and you also understand her perspective from... Uh, something that Dern says later with her fantastic speech about why is it always the woman who has to wait? Why mm-hmm. is it that uh, all we're supposed to be here is like having the child and that's it? Uh, you may remember it more off the top of your head. But what really yeah. stuck to me is that, yeah, Dern may be manipulating the entire beginning. Oh, you like this tea? It's good, huh? huh? She wanted three goods. Ooh, these cupcakes, this tea and that is very good. Yeah, that I put you in a good place. Now open up to me. She does a great job. Do you see how at home she felt by that point? Oh, I love the directing. At that kicks point. Kicks off the shoes. At that point, she kicks off the shoes. She's walking up. And she's talking, walking into the, the bathroom like it's nothing. It's yeah, such they're just a fantastic. It's such a fantastic uh, blocking that happens there. We were just talking about the parasite blocking and how they use a lot of intimidation in that to get what they need from the mm-hmm. characters. That's what the family does. Here, Laura Dern is doing that as a one-woman show, bringing the cookies, bringing this right in time. Uh, when they're actually all meeting up, what should we order? And Scarlet orders for him. Man, okay, let, we're getting to a head there. Yep, I love that. <sighs> when Scarlet opens up... Because she, she yes. still does know him well. Oh, I hate best. that. They were still... You you will get this, and anyone who watches High Maintenance will get this. That scene in season three of High Maintenance where they have to shake hands 
And I know this may seem like a spoiler, but it's high maintenance. I don't really consider that too much of a spoiler. I consider it, if anything, more so watch high maintenance. Don't look at it as a weed show. Look at it as as New York is a main character. Uh, and in New York, you can walk. And that beats the spaces yeah. in L.A. But there are two characters in the HBO show High Maintenance who, once they get a divorce, is that it sucks. They're still friends. And they go, yeah. it's like, this is weird. I appreciate mm-hmm. having you in that period of my life. It's not like friends from college where they hate each other. This is like a, yo, that really sucks. That really sucks. This is mm-hmm. that to a whole other degree because they love each other and they still have that person held up. One of the final shots of the movie as well is them still helping the other person. Right. And, and the movie does start with that. I think it's very important that it starts with that meeting in the... Um, I don't know if it's counselor's office or something else, but he insists on having them read letters about things they loved about each other because because he wants to remind them, like, even though you're going through this contentious situation, this is somebody that you once had a lot of love for. And and you see that throughout the film, that even though they are nasty to each other at times and, and vindictive, they, they can't help but feel for each other because there is history there and they do have a... a a past together the ways in which they do some really awful things uh, and then forgive each other. You know, there's that climactic fight. I don't know if you want to talk about that now where they try to start by amicably talking about their situation. Yeah. And it just it builds and builds and builds until Adam driver says the thing that's going to win yeah. him the best actor Oscar. See to me, because again, you're looking at so much of Nicole, and all the nuances that make her. She has that one line that she says. She said, I thought having this baby was going to give me purpose. Oh, what a killer line. But I realized that having a kid is just a long goodbye. You know? Kids mm-hmm. learn to talk. Now you don't need to talk to them anymore. They can feed themselves. They get, and then they turn 18 and they leave you. And I'm like, well, that's what a banger of a way to look at that perspective. But when you really look at the fact that she's been an actress, even at the beginning of the movie, they're divorced. And she goes, give me your notes. No, it doesn't matter anymore. It's your last performance. Yeah, but you won't be able to sleep unless you give me your notes. And I was like, "They, how long were they married for before they came into this role, you know? And he gives them the performance. Right. He's like, thank you for giving me, you know, thank you for letting me get it off my chest, whatever else. She's like, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. That's their relationship, though. Again, I had mentioned La Belle Epoque. Um, man, I really it, want it, you to watch that movie because you would see the dynamics here. He has yeah. always been the director. And that's something she's been wanting to do. She never got the opportunity to. I want to direct. You, one day. Be my actress. Be my actress who I give the directions to. Be my actor. He has always been a father figure. She says, you have always been, a- you have always done the things that fathers need to do. Even the things that people don't like about father, like waking up in the middle of the night. But what else does he do? He makes sure all of his boys and girls from the actual theater club are provided for. He gets the grant right. and his biggest thankfulness for the grant is in my recognition. It's, oh, phew, I have the money to make sure that everyone has a job. He has always been parenting Mm -hmm. from her to literally teaching her this and all that. And it isn't until the end when she finally is able to become a director that she looks at him and she goes, I finally get what you were going for. And I think it also affects her parenting, but it's so subtle because by that point, the kid knows how to read more. By that point, she's Mm -hmm. by that point, she's not she's no longer the actress who was also being parented to, I would say, because throughout the whole beginning of the movie, remember, she's doing a bunch of things and she's like, he comes home and he goes, uh, Charlie goes, why is he dressed like this? Why can't I go trick-or-treating with him? Why can't I do this? Because this is her first time where she's taking it all the way. And I think once she becomes the director, oh, which I love that line. I got a nomination. Wow, for acting? Directing. 
Now I know why you love it so much. That leads me now to the trial. I want to make sure Nicole gets it because it's one banger of a role. But Charlie's role is different. Charlie's is a ticking yeah. time we've, bomb. We've been uh, de- defending, I think, the Nicole character a lot. But now I think, let's get to uh, Charlie. It, the, the really interesting thing about the way the movie uh, sort of gives puts Charlie in it uh, is you see things slowly slipping through his fingers, right? Like he Ooh. thinks he's got he's in an okay situation. Yes. He's being kind and just like, yeah, sure, go to L.A. That is fine. And, and every little decision yeah. he makes ends up coming back and, no and being something that chips away at his standing. Poor guy. He, what did he say at the beginning? He's, he's like, uh, it's been a month. You need a lawyer. He's like, Oh y'all were serious. That's literally what Oh y'all were serious. No, no, no. It's my girl. What you talking about? It's Nicole. Now you get a lawyer or or it's over. What? He was so oblivious to the fact he didn't he really got blindsided. This is the worst slap in the face I've ever seen happen to a character in the slowest yeah. ripping of a band-aid. And it, it starts hitting him little by little. And you said one of my favorite lines in the movie. He needs to know I fought for him. Mm-hmm. Nah, ah, man. I don't want to get too into this. But like it worried me. Remember I had my trifecta of uncut gems? Yeah. Portrait and Parasite. Unless I turn that into a square, I'm not saying it's overdoing uncut gems, but there were some lines in here that were really getting to me, that being one of them. And it's this slow burn where he starts realizing, you're not going to take my kid away from me. And he never blows mm-hmm. up because he never thought that that was going to be an option. And then when it presents mm-hmm. itself as him not being able to have custody, let's talk about that scene where he just... He just loses it because yeah, I mean, that, you know, yeah, that's a battle cry. It, the way the way in which Adam Driver kind of is like this tea kettle that's just slowly raising heat and then finally is able to boil over it. it I think it's such a uh, precise performance. Yes. It's such a such a well delivered performance. He's a guy that I think is one of our most compelling on-screen actors, but even even here, he feels like he's going to a new level. It doesn't feel like a person who's like, all right, your kid's going to get, uh, you're going through a divorce, act sad. It's, right. this is your kid, and you're really never going to see him again. He will grow, did you see how he's already changing the way he dresses? You used to dress him nice all the time. That's not the case anymore. Now, imagine not being that he said, hell no. That is the, perf- yo, that wasn't even a performance. That was at... Adam had a kid in his mind, and they told him, you build that life, now you're never going to be able to see him again, and he went all out. He says something, uh, my joke was, Kylo wouldn't even say what he says in this movie and be able to take it back. Mm-hmm. It's so raw of a father truly fighting for his kid. It's why I bring up Kramer versus Kramer, because I also love the um, uh, the same step-by-step lawyer procedural process that happens, the way yeah. that that movie The procedural aspects yes. of this, I thought, were some of its, its stronger elements. And the kid's you know, it oblivious. It really takes you step-by-step-by-step step by step yeah. through the court procedure and uh, through uh, through the mediation process. And the kid's oblivious to the entire thing, the entire time it's happening, but you see the kid getting affected. He looked a lot like from he looked a lot like Danny from The Shining. That was one thing, because I had seen yeah, Carson did. as well. We came out live and like, I can look like the kid from The Shining. Um but yeah, it's that idea of he's really doing his best just to fight for this kid. The moment he realizes, oh, this is a battle. Mm-hmm. They had said no lawyers, and then he realizes it is a battle, 
and he has to get uh, who yeah. he switches because he switches lawyers. He goes back to the Ray moment Liotta. when he yeah the moment when he stop shows up with Ray Liotta after having uh, been using Alan Alda. I think is really a great moment because you you see that. Uh, he's kind of responding to the threat. And uh, you've mentioned this in our other conversations, but they have that scene in the court where Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, all, all they can do is like look over at each other. Bruh. And it's, it's so powerful. Why is that? Why is some of like the... You, you feel every, every... They're not even speaking. It's like they're getting stabbed and they have to look at the person that they care for stabbing them. Bro, this movie's like a war crime movie. But it's a marriage story instead. Like, they put marriage story in case you're confused what genre this is. Yo, they're looking over at each other and they can't say anything because someone else is speaking on their behalf. Someone else is speaking for your marriage. Yeah. This relationship that you've had uh, for a decade and you share another human being with. It's wild. And yeah, they just stare at each other. They can't do anything but stare and watch it unfold. So much to say about this movie and so much to like about it. I really do hope more people get a chance to see it. Uh-huh. Uh, for me... As we mentioned, I think Adam Driver has to be the favorite for best actor right now. You know, he's kind of a guy who has been in a lot of interesting movies. He's worked with a lot of interesting filmmakers. I think there's a lot of uh, love around him, but we both think this might be his career best performance. So uh, he does feel like he's on a different level than most of the performances this year. And I I really do love Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems. I do, Uh, too. uh, there's other performances that once are upon great, a time as well th- rewatching that but this one just does not leave and i'm glad it seems to be the favorite too yeah uh scarlett johansson will likely get a best actress nomination for this film Do, is she your favorite female performance of the year so far uh, or you're not ready to give that to her i am very i i really liked um and i keep blinking her name from hope gap i really oh, uh, like that performance <laughs> And again, also dealing with a divorce as well. But uh, there, she just has some some zingers in that movie. While I'm partial to her, Annette Benning. Annette Benning killed it in that performance, in my yeah. opinion. But right here with Scarlett Johansson, I think she also does a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, it's really just going to depend. I also really do like the ladies from uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I don't think that's going right, to get too right. much of an Oscar push there. But yeah, I can definitely see her securing it. I, the most confident one I'm in. Is Laura Dern, baby, for best supporting. Who else? Who else? Yeah, I'm not sure who else can really even compete with her here. I mean, a lot of people have been saying Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers or Margot Robbie in, in uh, Bombshell. But to Bombshell. me, it's just such a vivid character. It, it's so She's so instantly a person and she's so charismatic and watchable she just makes these really interesting choices where you're compelled to her on screen you know it it feels kind of weird uh to compare it to renata but Mm -hmm. it's got a lot of that renata from big little lies energy where she commands the room and has this like swagger to her that she even though she's you know uh feminine and and whatever she's she's not she stays in control of the situation she is she looks like she's writing her own script and whoever she's speaking to at the same time she's a wild character that's a character i'm going to remember from this year uh hands down so yeah that's my pick definitely for sure uh her for supporting and then adam i think they're going to get nominations all around what are some of your favorite scenes because i know we talked about the Merritt weaver scene as being one of the one of the ones uh especially when it comes to handing over the papers and her wanting to redo it another one that comes to mind is the cutting scene i just when that happened the whole theater was like the whole theater was like what are you doing 
But yeah, the it, knife trick scene yeah, is so funny. It reminds me a lot of uh, one of my favorite clip, one of our favorite clips, Aline and I from Broad City, which is, and I'm sure you've you've watched Broad City, right? Please tell me you've watched Broad yes. City. Okay, good. One of the best, best of the decade. That's going on best of the decade shows right there for for us personally. There's a scene in where she's dealing with the neighbor and she gets very nervous, so she answers a phone call, like a fake phone call, and it's the laundromat. Yeah. And she's like, "What do you mean I pooped my pants?" Like, just comes up with something idiotic because you're so nervous at that point. Adam Driver is so nervous at that point. He he does something he's not supposed to do. It's this stupid magic trick where he forgets to repel. Pull back the the night, and he's had this thing with him throughout the entirety of the movie. Yeah, cuts himself, practically dies. <laughs> goofy, it's goofy. That's probably one of the goofiest parts of the movie, in my opinion. Well, the the, the thing is, there are there are those really like silly kind of moments of life uh, in yeah. this film, and I think that's what saves it from being something that's super super depressing and. and you know kind of hard to watch yeah it has it's more sad moments and uncomfortable bits tension bits but i think there's the 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 livelihood throughout makes it kind of a a, an empathetic and and fun watching moments and Mm -hmm. overall like it didn't leave me in a very sad place i know a lot of people have said that they cried a lot in this movie i didn't quite get to that point although i found it sad i you know and i think it's through those moments of of levity uh that the movie stays kind of you know enjoyable enough even though there's a lot of sad stuff happening i agree one of the points that almost probably in a rewatch it might get me the scene where he says he needs to know that i fought for him Maybe that on a third mm-hmm. or fourth rewatch might get me, <laughs> depending on the right thing. You know how these movies go. But in that same yeah, scene, absolutely. if it's not that same scene or one of the following ones with the same actor, the guy who's playing his lawyer, uh, the, the secondary. The, Alan Alda? The nicer one, yes. Or Ray Liotta. Oh, Alan yes. Alda. Uh, you'll get a scene while, while he's on the ropes where the guy will just start telling an anecdote. And he's like, cool. So like, am I paying you to tell me jokes? Yes. This and, is a and movie the, the that way the characters say what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. You were saying, though, you were saying. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, I, I think the ways in which some of those conversations go. Uh, it, for me, uh, my favorite scenes are the ones with the lawyers because it's like, why can't I do this? Well, then well, then they'll think that. Uh-huh. Well, why can't I do that? Well, then the thing. And it, you see the ways in which. Uh, they get boxed yeah. into a corner despite having the, you know, not wanting to to be mean about it or risk things in this way. Yeah. It, the process is the the process is inhumane, mm-hmm. you know, and it forces forces a lot of negative uh, things to come out of it. I think it puts it under it puts divorce in America under the microscope to let you mm-hmm. know that you literally need to put pick your battlefield. One of the biggest parts that the lawyers are even doing before they can even get on to the next thing is, is this a New York family or an L.A. family? Right. And that's a huge debate right off the bat. And you start thinking, what? That's something they need to tackle first because that changes the entire battlefield of what's about to happen. Yeah. And it's looking at it and going like divorce in America is one of the most costly things. One of the one of the guys had like four, right? He ends up having to mm-hmm. hire Ray Liotta, who looks like the ghost of Ray Liotta's Ray Liotta. Like, that, he already looked creepy in this movie. But even with Laura Dern, she's an experienced person in this game. They are, the, all the lawyers are not talking to you like this is their first rodeo. They are speaking to you yeah. like they're already at the end of the movie and they know what to prevent. And these two are here like, we, what is this? 
We were just in a ten year relationship. Yeah. You know, they we didn't want. They approached their lawyer saying, "No, I like my spouse. No, we do I don't it. Want di- to be yeah, yeah. we spouse. do it differently." And every lawyer goes, "Uh huh. <laughs> Tell me more." That's not how this works. <sighs> Yeah, there's so much to like about this movie. I don't know if you have anything else that you want to mention, but I'm looking forward to more people getting a a chance to catch it. I'm really looking forward to getting another chance to see it. Uh, If you're in New York, it should be playing the Paris Theater, which is exciting. Yeah, that's pretty Uh, cool. And I believe it's going to be four weeks until it hits Netflix. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I do want to see it with... I want to see it with my family, so I'm glad it is on Netflix so I can see it with them. But it's very interesting to see the reactions. This is one of those movies that you definitely want to talk with other people about it afterwards and hear their perspectives. Mm -hmm. I could just imagine it. No, he... He was right. Nah, she was right. Yes. You know, that's when it can get very exciting. Uh, but I, I think it p- finds a perfect balance between the two. A very emotional ending, bittersweet type of ending as well with what happens there. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Alina and I, we survived Midsommar. We survived Marriage Story. I, I don't know. I don't know if we'll survive Trolls too. Maybe that's the one that does it. You know? <laughs> yeah, we'll see what uh, we'll see what movies twenty twenty yeah. throws at you, at you to challenge your relationship. But we'll see. I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Same with me. It's one of my favorites of the year. Well, that's all for this edition of the Let Us Explain on Intercut. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or uh, Letterboxd at ZShevich, or check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show art. Where can people catch more from you? You can find me at the A to Z show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or find me at the Let Me Explain channels, YouTube and Twitter, Letterbox, or find me every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. I happen to like Overcast, and then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio mm-hmm. feed, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash Pod to catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment for you catch new episodes of every intercut every friday as well as our sporadic dumps of these lettuce explains as we get into award season we're going to want to cover a lot of these great movies that are uh coming out and potentially competing for oscars so make sure you stay tuned and let us know if there's anything in particular you want us to cover shoot us an email Mm -hmm. intercutpod at gmail.com reach out to us our facebook instagram and twitter pages all of them are at intercutpod and you follow those you'll get updates throughout the week from me from art, from all the guests we feature on Intercut. Please leave a comment, like the video, considering heading over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, it's not as simple as not being in love anymore. Be such a good movie.